I'm Mike Brilla, host of the Inspired Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. I was a student, just like my current students, only about 40 years ago. There was a computer on my family's kitchen table that my father and I were putting together piece by piece. I guess he was just fascinated with this whole hobbyist thing in the late 70s, early 80s. So he decided to buy $2,000 worth of computer parts around the time that his salary was about $25,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, an Atari 2600. The computer seemed to be the future. And about one family out of every 50 might have even have heard of one. Yeah. Much one in a billion were putting them together on their kitchen table. Yeah. So I was hooked and I just knew I would be a computer uh, programming teacher probably at that age of about 14 years old. You're listening to the Ed Creation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional movements, resources, tools, and practices that are reshaping learning. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Christy Hemingway, and our guest today is computer science teacher Kurt Minnick. As you heard, Kurt has loved computers since an early age and has now been teaching computer science for 31 years. He's currently at the Wyoming Area High School in South Central Pennsylvania. And we have a treat today because he invited three of his students to join him today on the podcast. These are 10th graders Jasper, Daniel, and Truman. Here's Truman. Since I was a kid, I used my mom's old uh, like Mac, and I always just like played games on it. And then I went to the files of the games to try to understand how they worked. And then that's evolved into me taking um, Mr. Minnick's uh, Python class, which then expanded like my interest even further. I kind of similarly, I remember just like as we were growing up, seeing all like the fun like programs we had on computers, like in school, I go to the library, like the public library, and like I wanted to find out how they worked. That was Daniel. And here's Jasper. It's a lot of the same for me. I mean, I first got introduced to coding, like actual coding in like eighth grade. But a lot of the stuff that I've been able to do at school has helped me pursue what I want to like learn about. Kurt and his students joined us on the podcast today because they are all huge fans of CS Academy, a free online graphics-based computer science curriculum from Carnegie Mellon University. You'll hear them refer to the program as CS Academy or CMU, Carnegie Mellon University. I wanted to know why Kurt, as a 31-year computer science guru, was searching for a new curriculum in the first place. I came into the computer graphics way of teaching introductory computer programming with reservations in the mid-90s. Did I start using things like Visual Basic? and then turtle graphics, even though they were perfectly appropriate for sort of middle school education. But when, as an AP college board AP teacher of many, many years, in a curriculum that often is best implemented in a text-only way, I was always looking for something that was graphical. 
And so I made a lot of tools myself with Visual Basic, but then I switched over to Python. And the switch to Python, which is a great one to make, so any teacher that is hearing this that needs a little push one way or the other, I would go with Python because of the inclusion of turtle graphics uh, built into the library of Python. And the kids can sort of see it and they can understand it. And you can teach all of the uh, standards with graphical representations. But CMU, CS Academy, goes a step further. They have just found the right level of abstract, but engaging, rich, fun, interactive version of Python graphics that are intuitive to a broad range of kids that can understand the XY sort of a Cartesian coordinate system. And I saw this, it came with professional development, answer keys, uh, gamification, and I was hooked. A little bit of professional training one summer, two summers ago, and I threw out years of internal development that I share with two other teachers at my school for six or seven introductory courses. And we went lock, stock, and barrel to the CS Academy. And it's a comprehensive curriculum. It's not supplemental. It's your whole curriculum. Yes. yes. Okay. It's best implemented that way. I would uh, I would love to argue. And it's, it's made to okay. be comprehensive. I think, Daniel, you had something to add. I was hearing him talk about like switching from like Java to Python, right? No, it was an old ver- It was Python fr- default Python. I had glitches all over the place, and the product from CS Academy is nice and smooth and well built and pedagogically sound. So, uh, you like the the graphical representation yeah, was, of it this? Really, it was really easy to understand, really, the entire time because I've like moved ahead a lot, I, like worked alone, like in future units. I remember it was just really easy to follow. There would have been a couple of gaps had he taken my courses before two teachers and I agreed to move to CS Academy. He would have hit a bunch of other kinks in the road if he would have worked ahead. And he would have caused the teacher to be pu- have, have to necessarily be pulled aside mm-hmm. to include the, explain the gaps. But the curriculum as packaged with CS Academy is so inclusive and so uh, just incrementally well-built that a wide range of kids and not just the top, top kids can figure it out and move ahead at their own pace. And that is what education, in my opinion, needs more than ever. And you're high school, but what grade levels does CS Academy provide for? We're using it for about two or three weeks in an eighth grade course. Uh, that's called CS zero. And then um, course number one called CS one is the main uh, marketed or popular course from CS Academy. And that we use at this school in the ninth grade. And these gentlemen each took that course last year when they were in ninth grade. And now they're in 10th grade and 10th graders as an elective, can move on to what's called CS2. One of uh, these guys, Truman on the left that you can see, he is in CS2. The other two guys are taking uh, the AP College Board CSA exam, which is a which is a course based on Java, which doesn't sort of overlap or intersect with CS Academy, which is all the Python programming language 
So they can come back to it next year with CS2. Okay. And a young lady that's not here because of uh, our alternate location that we had to find today uh, after midterm exams, she's in CS3. And we have a lot of young ladies in this course, by the way. They just didn't happen to make it in this afternoon because they're probably studying for their midterm exams <laughs> uh, for tomorrow. Yeah. But we have a lot of girls. Uh, we just won. Uh, I happened to check my email today from my principal. But for the third or fourth year in a row, we won the uh, AP College Board Female Diversity Award at the school. Um, the inclusion of young ladies in computer science courses. They just aren't well re represented in this podcast. Maybe a uh, part two. I love that you mentioned it, though, because it's always good to know that. Jasper, you had something to add. Earlier, when he was talking about how like we're taking Java, I feel like the representation in CMU of these graphics and these ideas, it transports well into other coding languages. Like Java, it's like a very different syntax, but the main concepts and ideas are very easily transferable, and I haven't had any problem with learning or using these concepts in a different language. So the class that you guys are in right now, you're 10th graders, and you're, did you say that you're in an AP class? Or it's a pre-AP, it's an AP class. Mm. Correct. Yeah. And that point that Jasper just made, I doubled down on that to anyone listening as a teacher, uh, whether they're a veteran or a novice at teaching computer science at the high school level, having students well-prepared with an introductory course before they take the rigorous CSA, College Board CSA AP exam. Now, uh, Jasper called it Java. He thinks of it as his Java class, but it's a rigorous college level course. And usually it's it's best if a student has a nice, solid introductory programming course. Mm -hmm. This Python, even though it's CS1, even though it's based on Python, it is, in the words of the student here, it well prepared him for the rigor of college level Java. Okay. Be like learning Spanish as, say, a ninth grader, but then taking college French as a 10th grader and feeling well-prepared. Because it's not about the syntax of a specific language. It's about the concepts and the, the logic, the computational thinking, all those things that are built into the Computer Science Teachers Association and ISTE standards. Mm -hmm. They change. And when I was their age, like 400 years ago, or mm -hmm. 40, anyway, it was basic, beginner's all-purpose, symbolic, you know, instructional language, whatever. It was Pascal, and mm -hmm. it was a little bit of C, and maybe some C++. These days, and Python wasn't really a computer language until the uh, late 80s, early 90s anyway, and the languages change. Mm -hmm. trends do anywhere but the concepts that lead to things like the metaverse machine learning uh the future that we haven't seen yet but we're but these kids are making mm -hmm. that's the core and a teacher in their first year with cs1 isn't blinded by the syntax the folks at cmu have done a brilliant job putting the standards into that curriculum and you don't even have to think about it. It just naturally comes out in both the teachers and the students. Yeah. 
That's amazing. So, and if I'm hearing right, CS Academy provides you curriculum from like the rank beginner, somebody who has never had a programming class before, all the way up to college prep and early college. Yes. Yes. So CS zero is for middle school kids and CS three is for college. Okay. First year college course at Carnegie Mellon. Okay. And did any of the three of you have the CS? Did you start out with the CS Academy or the CS like zero, one, two classes in middle school? No, we all started in ninth grade. For me, the first like line of code that I wrote was using CMUs. These guys didn't start in CS zero. We've only been using CMU CS Academy for two years. Well, so what I'm wondering about is whatever it was that you were using for computer science in middle school, how did it compare when you were then when you then came to high school and started using CS Academy? What was the difference? Well, the only really um, experience I had was just basic scratch at most. So I guess seeing the visual graphics that CMU implements made it a lot easier to comprehend and understand like what I was seeing, what I was writing. Mm-hmm. And it just made it, instead of me being scared away by seeing a big wall of text and just supposed to somehow understand what it does, seeing these like colors and shapes made me be able to break down what I'm seeing and just help me become interested and understand about it. So you'd say it's pretty user-friendly, for a, especially for a beginner? I knew how to use computers somewhat, but it was extremely easy to use. There's not, like, it's completely guided. The website tells you what to do, and it's, yeah, completely user-friendly. Okay, thanks, Truman. For me, my first experience was in middle school with, like, Arduino, which was a much less user-friendly experience than like CMU or Python because it was much more like hands-on like with like actual circuit boards. Mm-hmm. But like with CMU, that gave it representation where I could look at it and I could like see what each part of the code was doing. Whereas with Arduino, it was much more like, it felt more brute force with how I was doing it. With So with the CMU, I got a conceptual understanding, which I think I could like take back to like Arduino say and be able to create something that's better or more complex. Okay. Um, I remember, I feel like the first like code I remember doing is when we used to in like middle school and elementary school, we used to do hour of code on online. Yeah. We'd, like write the blocks and make things move around. And I'd say like this course or like the CMU course was like a step in between that, like dragging around the blocks and being able to like actually like write all your own programs in mm-hmm your own code editor. There have been a lot of attempts in the last 10 to 15 years to find a block-based language like Scratch or Blockly Mm -hmm. and to make a smooth transition for kids in the middle school, lower high school ages learning Scratch or Block-based into the harsh-looking, intimidating world of text-only code. Well, CMUCS Academy, with their version of Python, they make that transfer quite easy, as you just heard here. Mm-hmm. And what really could be easily thought of as a block is 
very lightweight in the code window. So one line of code matches up with a whole block. Well, really behind the scenes in the way that I used to hand do it and, and yeah. made it by hand, a what looks like a simple rectangle was maybe 10 lines of code. And just one mistake on a not tabbing, not indenting right, in one spot, you would not see that rectangle. You'd see a harsh error message. So CMU, it it dumbs it down, but not in a way that some arrogant teacher like me would scoff at it. I instead embrace its simplicity, but the fact that it also yields a depth that many kids would never get to at an introductory level without giving up anything. And I had to see it to believe it, but I'm a true believer now that it is uh, the right package for lots of schools with teachers of different levels trying to make survive the day-to-day world of teaching. Yeah. In this technical arena, where often you get math teachers or even uh, English teachers, believe it or not, teaching us to do coding. Yeah. So that was actually one of my upcoming questions, Kurt, was that there, what is the learning curve and the usability for teachers? Because you do have so many schools where you have some teacher where this is not their area of expertise. This is not their content area. And they're being asked to to teach a computer science class. And they're really relying almost 100% on the resources or a program that they have available for the teaching because they themselves don't necessarily have the expertise. So I've taught, I was a uh, trainer for um, a couple initiatives across the country and specifically here in my state. So I've brought a lot of teachers into their computer science education at the university workshop level and, and courses. This product is is very easy to demonstrate online without even being face-to-face with someone because of the animations, because of the undergraduate Carnegie Mellon computer science majors that wait for your emails or that answer things in the teacher forum that's very robust. Mm -hmm. There's always somebody there that has your back, including professors themselves. Like Carnegie Mellon is one of the best, if not tie for the best computer science undergraduate and maybe graduate program in the country. And we have the the best NBA basketball players essentially helping us learn middle school basketball. Like you just find that anywhere for free. So I will say that this is a less intimidating environment for any new teacher. You mentioned a couple of things that I really want to highlight for our listeners. One is that you said you get very good, quote unquote, customer support. So they're very responsive with any kind of support you need and any kind of help. And the program is free, if I'm understanding right. Yes, totally. In fact, it's more than you get for some services that you pay for. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Talk to me about the projects you're working on and how you feel like this program has supported you to accomplish things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to accomplish without it. I guess I'll go first. So. 100% like the, if I look at now, 
since I have a better understanding of everything, at least on my level. If I look at like turtle graphics and all the other visual ways of doing it, like using SDL, CME's graphics allow me to easily manipulate what I want and onto like the computer. So it's since of how user friendly it is and how like simplistic it is, it's really easy for me to create projects. So what I'm doing Mr. Mammoth's class when I was in ninth grade is I would just work ahead in the units and then gain like a knowledge of how to use the, the package libraries. And then I would just create my own games. Like I created a uh, knockoff version of Flappy Bird and some other like just player-based single player where you go against some sort of AI enemy and just spending time doing that and using CMU shapes to like allow me to have a like much deeper understanding of how Python works and just how coding in general works. And I was able to use like my knowledge of that CMU gave me about these sort of shapes. And now um, I'm able to use Pygame and then I'm also able to understand other languages a lot better. Like because of CMU, I now understand Java on a base level and also C++. So it makes it a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Truman. For me, I know the graphics, I think really what are what drove me to want to push forward and like to want to keep going and to like to see what you can do with the things because I would also try to make games in my free time. Like I'd work ahead so I'd have free time to construct my own games. I tried to beat his games, make better ones than him. So it never happened, but I like worked forward to like try to make better experiences because I wanted to see like what I could like accomplish with the tools they gave me. Like now I know in Java, I feel like I'm less inclined to like really push because I can't, because like there's no obvious like output I'm getting. Like, but it's so like nice and visual. Like all the graphics just really help drive everything. Expanding off that, I agree that like the visuals, it really gives you a drive and lets you see what's happening, but also how it's set up. You can also take inspiration from the exercises that they give you. If they give you an, an exercise that you really like, and you might think, oh, but I can add this. You can go back to that exercise when you have more information and you can make and you can expand it. You can make it bigger. I think that they also like go back to exercises that they already did and they expand on it. They let you see stuff that you've already done and be like, oh, but you can do this also. And like I had this one game, it was kind of like Snake, but not really, where I just were further along in the year. I just kept adding and adding to it. Like, like I just kept going back. And like the new information, it like helped it like get it better and better, the refinement process. And the learning itself, you said, Kurt, is is also gamified, right? So gamification in education is does not necessarily mean it's related to a game like Monopoly. Right. So so the the genius of this package, it's woven together with, with rich creative exercises that are not trivial. The online free textbook is built in a way that not only is there a diversity of nice little achievable exercises per unit out of the 12 units that are there, the students can pick and choose which ones they want to do to pass the green check marks, if you will, mm -hmm. of that chapter and move on to the unlock the next chapter. Mm -hmm. So the choice, the gamification is that they can pick three out of, say, six. But a young lady 
that's interested in, say, anime may pick a different three that have that kind of look and theme and a feel. Whereas, at the risk of being stereotyped, a boy that plays a lot of first-player shooter games, he might choose a different set of three out of six or seven or eight. And all of these exercises are built, I'm, I'm pretty sure, by 19, 20, 21-year-old undergraduates that came, that are just happened to be five years ahead of the, the students that are doing the exercises, albeit they got into one of the top schools in computer science in the you know, world. And then those concepts, like something going up and down to simulate gravity, or things going off the side of a screen and coming in the other side, uh, consist uniformly, smoothly, those themes are woven into all of these projects so that you can pick and choose whichever exercises you want to do. And the teacher knows that as long as they have enough points earned, they have mastered the concept without specifically always doing all the exercises. Okay. So it's somewhat personalized. and Yes, totally. Personalized and paced in a custom way. Custom way. And it sounds like assessment is somewhat integrated as well. Yeah, it's totally integrated. They have tests. They have quizzes. It's very light on the uh, kill them with 50 multiple choice. Mm -hmm. It's more of a mastery learning, project-based, but yet it still has the rigor of assessments that the teacher can easily go in, check in a log to see what the student's work history is, what they're getting right, what they're getting wrong on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have anything to add about how you're able to monitor your own achievement as you go through the program? Yeah. So like, let's say you had like an exercise in unit one. Then the first unit I remember it was, you had to like, just learn how to create shapes. So maybe an exercise would be like, they'd show you how to like make Spider-Man's face or something. So then like in the next couple units, you might see one where they're trying to teach you how to mouse clicks. So then you could like see, and they tell you to make code where like, if you click the mouse, his face will change, you know, other th- or other effects will happen on the screen. So that shows you like how you progressed throughout the year. Yeah, expanding on that, that having like multiple different, I guess, options, you can do what you want. But also if you want more of that specific stuff to like learn it more, you can always just do more. And there's not really a limitation. There's also like exercises at the end of sections where you can just go back and like do however many you want and get better at it. Repeat it. You could change it. You could try it again and go a completely different direction. Okay. And they'd also give you like, they'd show you all of the code for what you have to do, not just the little space you needed to write your code in. So you could like copy what they had and then put it into a private sandbox where you could work on whatever you wanted to and build that way as well. This is very unique. This is very interesting and implemented well. They cannot copy and paste. So in this era of like dramatic uh, chat GPT awareness since November 2022, a lot of teachers and computer science teachers especially, but English teachers are worried or aware that you can uh, hand in stuff that looks intelligently de- you know, developed from a bot. Yeah, this well, is a hot topic right now. Oh, it's very hot. I've been to three seminars now as a college professor, and I don't even think the high school teachers are really aware of it yet. So it's a very hot topic. And I think CMUCS Academy will survive, and here's why. First of all, you cannot copy and paste when you're in the browser window of this platform. 
So yes, a student can take a picture of something and then type it by hand. But the creativity that's built into the what's called the creative task in each unit doesn't lend itself to wanting to copy and paste. The students are inspired to make their own Marvel he comic hero. The students are motivated by the raw graphics and ease and legitimate rigor of what they're doing. And they're building grit as they go. They might not realize it, but you heard from these three, but you would hear from a lot of kids on a wide ability level that they want to solve the problem because the problem is theirs. They created the Marvel comic graphically themselves. And even though they, in a work cited, they cited like the code that they found in an earlier exercise and build upon, they want to make something that's their own. That authentic ownership, chat GPT will never get into your brain and, and satisfy its true yearning to do something of your own. What have you noticed about the difference in students' level of engagement and their achievement and just their involvement in the class since you switched to CMU Academy? One of the important tenets I believe that they're, they've uh, architected into this was that it work in a browser and that it not require an ins installation on the classroom computers. So you just need a browser and an internet connection and you don't even need uh, a working microphone. So, which is a, there's pros and cons to that, but it does do screen recording built in so the kids can basically use any device, including their phones, iPads, Android tablets, Chromebooks, pretty much a 15 year old computer would work to fully max out on this curriculum and, and the teacher grading side of it and, uh, and all that. So, the students really have no reason not to do their homework at home as long as they have an internet connection. And I see that these kids over the holiday break, I didn't assign homework. Uh, we're not really supposed to at school and I wouldn't have anyway. <laughs> I still saw in the work log, I couldn't help but like, look, kids were on Christmas day. I won't say the names much less than a podcast, but they were <laughs> students uh, um, I'm pointing at one of the kids, but the podcast I'm seeing fingers pointing. <laughs> he has a brother named uh, Tim, and that's all I'll say. So the locals will know who it is. But he was logged in on like a holiday, and you know whether you're practicing uh, Christmas, you know, celebrate or not. Like, yeah. well, CMUCS Academy won out over other things like their gaming machine, much less anything new in their lives. Yeah. So, so it's, been, it's, been, it's been fun to see them being logged in. And yes, the achievement, I can show you early statistics in just my two years of how far kids have moved vertically and the depth of Jasper was mentioning. Yeah, you don't have to get the minimum number of points in this gamification unit by unit. You can actually do all the exercises and get all the green check marks and go to, to bed at night thinking, wow, you did everything that was possible there in mm -hmm. that and a lot of kids get satisfaction by the breadth as, as well as the race to the top. Yeah. I'd love to hear from each of you about maybe one of your success stories or something that you've created that you're the most proud of. I remember there were times when I would be working on an exercise and then I'd have an error message. This is Daniel. And then 
Like I'd be like, I'd just like move through, I'd be going through them well, and then something would just stump me. And then I would try to go get help from my teacher, who then refused to. We're told in the teacher handbook it says to do that the first time that they have. Make them solve their own problems. Okay. And so then, you know, just continuing to chip away at those like errors and figuring it out felt good. And those were just the best successes that I had the entire time. What about you, Truman? For me, it was just really nice to be able to, like, the curriculum, how it was put, I was able to understand it really well. And as Daniel said, Mr. Manic didn't really, like, help too much because he wanted for us to learn on our own, which is, like, that makes sense. But what that did is that inspired for us to work together as, like, a team. Um, And I was able to, like, help out like my peers, like if he had a problem on something that I had figured out how to do, we were able to collaborate together. And what that did is it made our class of like 20 or so people that most of them would normally not even touch like a line of code, all began to understand and like really enjoy coding as a language. And you just feel so, I don't know, powerful is the right word, but- It feels a little bit like a superpower, right? Yeah, like the knowledge that I gained from- like from learning Python on on the package that like on the website to yeah. what I have now, I use like that sort of thinking that it taught me to have. Yeah. And I think in like modern day situations and it I it's helpful. And I feel like I've become a whole lot smarter just because of it. So good. You know how to make things happen. Is it something you want to pursue after high school? For sure. I there's nothing in high school that I really feel like I like want to venture deep into and like really really understand and spend like time outside of school doing but um with coding and computer science in general I just enjoy it I just enjoy being able to make something using my creativity and seeing people around me enjoy what I created yeah good luck what about you Jasper like Truman was saying like the communal atmosphere of of a classroom with it it really helped. Like I was able to work on projects with other people yeah. and expand it and combine our ideas. But also, like if some other people in the class were struggling, since I like I was able to get ahead on my own time, I could also go back and like help them and give them help. And that also helped me expand my own ideas of the same subjects. And it was like it's kind of like a feedback loop where you you learn more. You help other people, they learn more, and it's just going back and forth. So you're all learning with that communal atmosphere. Yeah, the collaboration yeah. aspect is awesome. Uh, an extra plug for that. I mean, I love that you're saying that because I think most of us have this idea of a computer science classroom as each kid sort of sitting isolated on their own screen at their own terminal and that there not being a lot of collaboration happening. But what I'm hearing from you all over and over again is that there is a lot of collaboration that happens. Yeah, it's not just me as the teacher. It's built that way. If you read through the materials or view anything, it's uh, they're put into they can be put into collaborative groups very mm-hmm. easily with the tools that the teacher has. But also the nature of the rubrics that are included and the teachers actually uh, adjust and share with each other in the teacher forum, you grade kids on their what they bring to the table to the groups and creatively add to something. So it's not a student against student to you know break the curve and uh, 
only earn an A at the expense of others. It's actually just like it is in industry. It's a team project based and it's very easy to grade that way and fairly too. This idea that nobody wins until we all win. I love it. I know you guys probably need to get back to class, but I wanted to ask one more question. Who would you recommend this to? What teachers, what students, who should who should reach out to CMU CS Academy? Really, any teacher that wants to teach computer science, the curriculum that it provides is extremely engaging. If you want to engage your students, and if, even if you don't have much knowledge about coding, this curriculum is really guided. Honestly, I feel like I could, even though I didn't have the opportunity to take CS0, it seems like it was very fun. I remember my little brother took it and I was able to like see what he was doing. It was pretty similar. So I was able to like help him and collaborate with him as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could have done this in seventh grade even. I mean, it was really easy to understand. And it's not just like really big nerds like me and Jasper. It's like there, it was such a diverse group in our uh, CS1 class. There was like nerds like us. There was like football meatheads, you know. It was it was just a really diverse group and everyone could help each other. Like everyone had their own ideas that they brought to the table. So like, I'd really recommend this course to anyone who could possibly take it. Yeah, I agree. It was very intuitive. I feel like it was available for everybody. Very accessible. A lot of people, like even without a teacher, it could be taken like just on your own. And I think you'd be able to get a good amount of understanding. Well, that's an important point, Jasper. You, I, I love that you said, Kurt, you said one-spirited teacher. So essentially, if there was just a person listening to this podcast, a single teacher, it wouldn't have to be adopted by their whole school or even their whole, whole department. It's really available to any teacher or anybody listening who wants to learn about coding. Am I understanding that right? A homeschooled student could apply get a login for the very curriculum so yeah it's accessible to lots of people you can find cs academy from carnegie mellon university at edcuration.com or through the link in the episode notes cmu cs academy is an online graphics-based computer science curriculum taught in python providing novel world-class computer science education for your classroom at absolutely no cost You've got nothing to lose by checking it out and your students have everything to gain. Along with CMUCS Academy, you'll find resources for every content area and grade level, from core curriculum to intervention, supplemental and educational technology tools of all kinds, and even professional learning at edcuration.com. We curate high quality evidence-based instructional resources to get the best tools into classrooms faster for the best student outcomes. If you have a favorite tool or resource you'd like to share with the Ed Curation audience, please leave us a comment or contact us through our website. We hope you'll join us again next week to reshape learning with the Ed Curation Podcast.